book of Genesis, if you would, Genesis 25. Book of Genesis chapter 25. Okay. Listen, we are going to get going. Genesis 25. It's good to be in church tonight, isn't it? Okay, wonderful. If you don't think it's good to be in church, there's something wrong, okay? You're thinking short-term. Listen, glad you are here. Glad Vincent was here too. I nearly had to leave the singing tonight. So you're glad Vincent was here too. Uh, so that is, that is wonderful. Uh, Genesis 25. What we're going to do a Bible study on tonight is protecting your future. Thinking long-term rather than short-term. We're too quick on thinking on the short-term. Isn't that true? You know, too quick thinking on the short term. You know, we need to we need to spread things out. You know, I left school when I was 13 years of age and uh, never went back short term thinking. Let me tell you, if I only knew then what I know now, I never would have left school. Short term. You know all I could think of? Just have fun right now. Just do whatever I want right now. I didn't realize later on how much it would cost me. I think often we live our lives thinking on the short term, looking for the short term fix when really, sometimes we need to dig deep and, and put the effort in, and it's a long-term uh, perspective we need to have on life. So what we're going to do is we're going to read a few verses about somebody who had a short-term view of life and, uh, and what, it done, what it cost them. So Genesis 25, going to start at uh, verse 27. Uh, going to look at the life of Esau for a few minutes and a couple of other Bible characters as we go on through our Bible study tonight on Wednesday night. Um, starting at verse 27, the Bible says, and the, bo- and the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob, who was his brother, was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed porridge, or it's kind of like boiled broth that he had, or scotch broth if you're from Scotland. Um, and Esau came in from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. Um, Now listen, see when he says, Sell me this day thy birthright. The birthright for the older son had come with many, many privileges and many honors with it. It came with family authority. It came with a double portion of the inheritance. Um, you were basically the next in line. Uh, it was an important deal. And Jacob, the trickster deceiver, wanted his brother Esau to sell him his birthright. Um, and Esau says, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what shall profit? Uh, and what shall? And what profit shall this birthright do to me? Short-term thinking. And Jacob said, "Swear to me this day." And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and he rose up and went his way. And thus Esau despised his birthright. You see, many people in life struggle because they have the same attitude as Esau. What was Esau's problem? Well, first thing was he was hungry. He needed his hunger to be met right then and there. He thought he was going to die. Now, do you think he was going to die? How do you know that? By just reading what we've just read, how do you know he wasn't at the point of death? 
Okay, yeah, he was having a conversation about he was going to die. Listen, if you're going to die from hunger, you're lying there in a ball, I'm sure, not talking to anybody. He was just real hungry. He was out, been out all day, probably didn't catch anything, and he came in and he was looking for his need, his appetite to be satisfied right then and there. And he was looking for a quick fix. You know, and like Esau, oftentimes, you know, we're just looking for that quick thing to get us over the next the next problem, or just looking for that quick fix to get us through the next day. You know, it's like uh, young people think, if I leave school, I can get a job. Well, you sure can get a job. You know, you'll go out there and you'll probably work at McDonald's and you'll probably never get past McDonald's because you left school. But if you stay in school, you'll probably get a better job, long-term thinking. You leave school because of the pleasure and you see the sunshine, you think, man, what kind of sucker wants to go back to school in the sunshine? The right thinking type of sucker. Let me tell you, we need to be better than, than just wanting our needs to be met right now. You know, oftentimes we're like Esau in our lives. We sell ourselves out for momentary pleasure. You know, we just want the pleasure right now. It doesn't really matter what it's going to cost us, how long it's going to take from us. We just want our desire to be satisfied now. You know... We don't think of the consequences of the decisions that we make often. We just plow ahead. We, the, the need of the day is right in front of us and we go try try satisfy that need. Only concerned about how we feel today. Not thinking of how we'll feel tomorrow. Or how this decision is going to make us feel next week. You know, it's really, really important that you think through the decisions that you make because when, when we're just satisfying the, the day's need, there's often long-term problems and, and, and difficulties that come into our lives. You know, um, Esau was at a life-changing moment in his life, even though he didn't realize it. When Esau woke up that day, he was just going to do what he always done. He was going to go out hunting. He was a good hunter. He planned on catching some food. He planned on uh, everything being okay. And he set out his day. didn't think anything else of it. Set out his day and he, he had plans for the day. He was going hunting. And he done it to the best of his abilities. And he came back with absolutely nothing. Uh, and he was hungry. He was, you know, had been out there for a long time. But that day when he woke up, he didn't realize the decisions that he was going to make on that day were going to shape the rest of his entire life. You know, the decisions that he makes in the day we're reading about shapes this man's life forever. We still read about him in our Bibles in the New Testament. We're going to get there in a minute. All because of the decisions of of basically this day. With that being said, turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. You know, this is what the writer of Hebrews says about Esau. Hebrews 12, starting at verse 14. It's the, it's the part of the Bible that talks a lot about bitterness. Um, Esau made bad decisions that day. He made a bad choice. Uh, he was led into the bad choice by his swindling brother, but that didn't excuse his behavior he was still left with the consequences of his decisions, even though he was tempted by his brother. And this is what the writer of Hebrews says. And remember, what we're reading about in Genesis is, is in your Old Testament. Okay, so it's thousands of years before, uh, the writer, a couple of thousand years before the writer of Hebrews penned this. And, you know, this is what he says about uh, when he gets to Esau. It says, 
verse 14. Follow peace with all men. So, what, what does it mean when it says, follow peace with all men? Come on, Wednesday night, talk to me here. Follow peace with all men, what does that mean? Work for peace, okay. So you should be seeking peace. You should be seeking to be in a right relationship with the people around you. Yeah? So follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So when you have a man who's not holy, who's not trying to live right, not doing right, uh, you know, he can tell you he's uh, walking with God, but the Bible says different. Let's look at the next bit, verse 15. Bible says, Looking diligently, lest any man should fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and, there, uh, and thereby many be defiled. So it talks about bitterness. And it talks about, um, you know, you being corrupted by bitterness and other people being defiled by your bitterness. Look at verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as... What's the next word? Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was, what's the next word? Oh, we hate that rejection, don't we? He was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, even though he, uh, though he sought it carefully, with tears. It's a wonderful part of Scripture. We can stay in this all night. We're not going to, we're just going to breeze through it. You see, sometimes when we make a decision, when we make a bad choice, sometimes there's no coming back from the bad choice. We always like to say, God's a God of a second chance. Don't we like to say that? And we believe that. But the reality of the situation is, God can forgive you all the time. But the consequences of your actions don't necessarily get wiped away when you ask for forgiveness. Let me give you an example. There's a man, Hannah, he was brought up in, uh, in um, I think it was, I think it was New York, um, but his name was David Berkowitz, okay? David Berkowitz was just a normal guy growing up, came from a Jewish kind of background, and um, he was just a normal guy growing up. He had he was a, a troubled kind of kid growing up. You know, he used to he used to hurt animals and stuff like that growing up. And uh, let me tell you, if you like hurting animals and stuff like that, you have a serious problem, and you need help because when you're older, you won't only hurt animals; you'll probably hurt people. So you need help right now if, if you're involved in anything like that. Let me tell you, um, you men's home, stay away from my fish, by the way. Um, and Hank the dog, men's home, got a new dog, Hank. Hank. Hank's one of the leaders up there now. If, you, if you're on day out or anything, you have to go ask Hank. Um, but David Berkowitz grew up, and he, and he had a normal, normal life growing up. He had some troubles. His teenager, teenagers were a little bit dark. Well, in his 20s, um, he, he took up a new hobby, uh, killing people. Um, true story, he became the serial killer known as the Son of Sam. And he basically would go around uh, with a gun, with a, um, with a, with a handgun, and he would, he would walk up to cars that would have a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a car, a husband and wife in the car, whatever. He would walk up, and he would take out his gun, and he would just blast the two of them to death and walk off. And for a whole summer, 
It's called the Summer of Sam in the, in the, uh, in the late 60s in America. Uh, he had everybody terrified. People were afraid to go out one night. He killed six people and, and, sh- and injured another seven from shooting them. They didn't die uh, from the bullet wounds. Um, David Berkowitz ended up getting, uh, getting arrested. He wrote some letters which are interesting to read, actually. Uh, when you read the letters, they're, they're quite interesting. You can see how tormented the guy was. You can see where, you know, scripture starts coming in. You can see where the, the, he's being led and deceived by the devil. Uh, the, the letters are really interesting. I just, they were a bit creepy to read out tonight. But the guy started killing people. When he, he wrote some letters to the police to kind of taunt them at the, at the time. And he ended up getting caught. And when he got caught, he, uh, he was brought in and interrogated like would normally happen. And what he said is, he says that the black Labrador of his neighbor across the back was telling him to go kill everybody, go kill women. Because the dog, whose name was Sam, needed women's blood to survive. So when he was killing them, he was giving life, in a sense, to the, to the dog. An absolutely sick guy who thought to, in the end up thinks the devil was telling him to kill people and, and he went out and killed six people and injured another, shot another seven. And for these, for these heinous crimes, he, he received six consecutive life sentences. Now, what does that mean for all you people that are involved in courts? You're never getting out. You're going to die in jail. Okay, now in jail. In jail, somebody witnessed him and he, he got saved. Um, his testimony is a real good testimony. You should look it up online. David Berkowitz, the son of Sam. And uh, he basically um, got saved. God changed his life. Everybody, including the prison guards, the, the police that arrested him, all the other prisoners, uh, knew how dark he was before he got saved. He got saved and his life changed. And even though he was in prison and he asked God to forgive him and change him, God certainly did that. But he still had how many life sentences? Six. Six consecutive life sentences uh, to do. He's never getting out. So he's not becoming a Christian to get out because he's never getting out. But, you know, the, the consequences of the decisions that he made back in times past, he's still living with them today. And the families of all them people that he hurt are still living with those consequences today. The choices that we make today... You, you, you're going to live with the consequences for the rest of your life. He would have done, I'm sure. I'm sure he got the reality of hell when he was getting witness to and he realized I have sin and I've done wrong and he was broken before God. And we'll watch the testimony up in the men's home. You know, when you see the police and the prosecutors and the prison guards giving testimony about somebody's changed life, you know they're definitely changed. And this guy was, he writes Bible, Bible literature now, and he writes tracts and stuff like that, has a prison ministry in America. But because of the choices that he's made, he's going to live with the consequences of those choices for the rest of his life. You see, we never think when we're making choices that it's going to cost us down the road. But the choices that we're making today, and this week and next week, can have consequences for two years, five years, ten years, for the rest of your days. Uh, you know, they can cost you uh, more than you ever thought they were going to cost you. You know, uh, the choices we make affect our futures. 
you know, many people make choices to, to take what they want when they want rather than wait for the proper time or circumstances in life. You know, um, as a result, the choices, you know, ravage our lives. They, they uh, you know, cripple us from being effective. And for us going and, you know, seeking after momentary pleasure in our lives, you know, the cost sometimes can be great. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you five real quick points about, um, you know, making wise choices and how to, how to you know, five ways to, to keep an eye on your future. So you're going to need to, when you're thinking of life, life is not just about today. Life is about tomorrow, next week, next year, five years from now. Where are the choices that you're making right now going to leave you in the next five years? So point number one. Um, you know, um, there are five ways uh, we can end up sacrificing our futures. Number one is when we're blinded to godly values. Esau was impatient. He, his hunger overrode the importance of his birthright as the eldest son. So you can think about it. You know, he was going to get great benefits from being the, the number one son, the oldest son. He was gonna. He had the, the birthright. He was. He. It was gonna be great for him. But when was it gonna be great for him? When his father died, you know, and that was a reality. You know, he was gonna be blessed. You know, and have a double portion and have the authority, but only when his father died. Now, he was hungry this day. You know, he needed something today. So he, he was looking at the situation today and looking at the situation when his father died and he's thinking, ah, sure, that'll kind of probably never come around. And he, you know, he, he indulges and he gives in to himself and his hunger overrides the importance of his birthright. You know, I'm sure when he got out of bed that day, he didn't think he was going to lose one of the most important uh, blessings that he, he had when, from, from when he was born. You know, uh, in life we need to understand that, you know, life doesn't warn us when it's an important day. Some of the decisions that we're making, you're not going to get, you know, an email or a text message from God saying, be careful with this decision, it's going to be one of the real important ones. You know, life doesn't work like that. You're just making choices as you're going through life. And, but some of them choices can be massive. Some of those choices can be, you know, there, some of them choices there's no coming back from. You know, all your sins can be forgiven, but the, the consequences of, of choices sometimes can't be, can't be gone back on. You know, not being the firstborn son, uh, you know, was going to have a massive impact on him. And what was going to end up happening was he was going to be controlled by bitterness and anger and jealousy and rage for the rest of his life. And it was going to affect his life in so many other areas, all because this day he sold his birthright for, for a bowl of soup. You know, uh, now, you know, not being a firstborn son, I don't like the idea of, you know, the, the, all the inheritance basically going to the, the oldest because I'm not the oldest. I much prefer the, the fact that everybody gets an equal share, you know. Uh, but Claire's the oldest, but I'm not sure she'll get everything either. So maybe a split share would be the best. Uh, so, 
you know, but in life, this is the way it was. It was, you know, the older son got, got the, the greater portion of what was there, you know, uh, over in the haven over in Scotland. When the black's father was about to die, who got everything? Davy Black. There was three brothers, but Davy's the oldest. Davy got given the farm and everything, everything. And he had to, he was given the control of the farm and all the assets, and he was told to look after the two brothers. You know, so that's the way it used to be, and that was the norm years ago. And, um, but you know, the situation with, with uh, Esau was, he was just thinking about the hungry belly today. He was just thinking of satisfying that need he had today. He wasn't thinking about two years, five years, ten years, or twenty years down the road. Yet the decision that he was making was going to have great impact on him twenty years down the road. You know, he was only concerned about his need for today. You know, oftentimes when, when we, you know, are blinded by, uh, when we're blind to, to godly values in our lives, and we just focus ourselves on getting a job or, you know, making money or our possessions, we can, you know, we can drive a wedge between friends and family and we're going and seeking after money. You know, we need to really ask ourselves, you know,